0: Hello everyone, it's Charlie Webster here. Thanks for joining us for a new episode of My Sporting Mind. I'm delighted to welcome the Northampton and England lock Courtney Laws, to the podcast. Courtney, welcome.
1: Thank you very much. So I kind be. of like
0: punched my arms out there, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing like claps, but that was kind of a new one. Em, um, how's the last couple of months been for you? I can imagine it's been kind of busy because you've got four children.
1: Yes, yeah, it's been, <laughs> it's been yeah pretty crazy. It's actually gone really quick because you know, we've had to keep all four of them entertained this whole this whole time. So yeah, it's kind of flown by, and I've I've actually really enjoyed it. Um, I'm pretty happy, just generally in life anyway, just getting on with what I'm whatever I'm doing at the time. But yeah, it's it's really good to spend some some quality time with the little ones.
0: Did you miss rugby? As somebody who's used to training consistently from a young age, um, I
1: can kind of, I kind of enjoyed a bit of time off. Um, it's yeah. good to, um, you know, this is the longest side I've had off in my professional careers kind of thing so it was good to kind of keep your head down not you know have to think about rugby 24-7 kind of thing so I can't say I didn't miss it and I miss staying fit and stuff like that it was really hard to find time to work out and stuff like that but um yeah at the same time I was kind of happy I didn't have to do it as well.
0: I don't think I've met anybody yet so far that's gone yeah like no matter whether it's rugby or football (laughs) or cricket they've been like well (laughs) kind of did I missed like the people on the train it's quite interesting and what about yourself in your goals is it made I don't know is it kind of made you think about what more you want to achieve I mean you choose so much anyway is it like winning the World Cup and you play close to 100 test matches for England is it getting the achievement of that
1: Um, yeah I mean my targets aren't physical goals like winning stuff and things like that my target is more just being the best player I can be. Um, and then just each and every game, just trying to take it on a bit further and see how far you can get. And then I suppose when you have that kind of mindset, for me anyway, it, it helps when you don't quite win like the World Cup and stuff like that. Well, I'll I give it everything I had so I can be happy with that. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Rather than putting it on that actual achievement yeah. and turning it around from what for you to be the best you can be. Well, talking of World Cups then, so how do you deal with that? Emotional high, and then that emotional low, I mean, like I think if anybody listened to this we i mean it was only last year, but we remember exactly where we were when there was that yeah. incredible win um against New Zealand in the semi final and I think almost people thought that that's it England are gonna... <laughs> England have won yeah. the World Cup already before you even went into the final, but then yeah. then then having to go into a a final game
1: yeah yeah it was, it was um it was a tough little run up to the final, wasn't it really? And um rugby's one of them games. If you're just a little bit off on any given day against a good team like South Africa, then you know they're going to they're gonna have their way with you. And that, that's kind of what happened. They came with a good game plan and they executed it. And fair play to them, you know what I mean? But in terms of emotionally, I think we were quite similar. We were like really excited for the game. I think we did everything we could. But in the end, it was just one game too far for us.
0: How did you deal with that defeat and that low after it being uh, so high?
1: And a lot of people, a lot of the boys were obviously really disappointed. I was disappointed as well. But at the same time, I was really proud of what we did. I know I gave it everything I had. And I'm near 100% sure that everybody else on the team gave it everything they had. So I think that's something to keep hold of and to, you know, we had such a good time in the tour and we made some great memories and worked our ass to the bone, do you know what I mean? So. We uh yeah we have one of the youngest teams ever to reach a final I think it was the youngest team to ever reach a World Cup final and I think yeah. that you know um, next time around we're going to have a good shot yeah
0: What did you do when you got back because I remember speaking to Ben Youngs probably only a month after it I think and yeah. um at this event and he said that he found it hard going back to the to the actual club Oh really yeah Yeah just uh, as in like you know, having that massive high and being at the World yeah. Cup and then walking to the club and being like, oh, yeah, lads, um, didn't happen, <laughs> you, know, you know, with the rest of the players that weren't part of the England team. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I wasn't too bad, to be fair. Like, I was quite excited to get back and kind of transfer everything I'd learned from the World Cup into club, club, rugby, uh, club rugby, sorry, and, um, and kind of see what I could give to the team kind of thing. And obviously, I was really happy to get back. See the kids because i hadn't seen them the whole time they didn't come out or anything like that so it was really good to get back and spend some time with them again and then yeah got back into the club and was just pretty much ready to go again
0: you seem like so i suppose considered and and well-rounded in that sense with you know emotions is in the fact that it's like no you can see how well you've done and you're proud of yourself and yeah. you can take what you learnt from it, and it's almost like ideal. Do you ever have those moments where you doubt yourself or you feel low or you're emotionally exhausted?
1: I, I don't think so, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think, I, no, I wouldn't say so, just because I'm not really that kind of guy, like I don't really stress, I don't like to worry about games, and obviously you do get nervous um, from time to time, But I don't really like nerves and I don't really feel like they help me. So I'd rather, yeah, I'd rather just, uh, I don't know. I just don't like the feeling of kind of being a bit nervous. And obviously like going into the final or playing for the Lions or something like that, you are quite nervous and it's not a feeling that I really like. I prefer to be used to the pressure, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And obviously pressure kicks up a notch when you go into these kind of really high level games and stuff like that. But I like to just have confidence in why I'm there in the first place and why I've been picked, and to go into the games relaxed and aware of everything. So, I normally have the biggest impact on the games that I'm really clear, you know, clear thinking in. So, I feel like if I get too worked up for a game, I'll, you know, it kind of clouds my thought process and stuff. So, I prefer to just relaxed going to the games nice and confident and yeah just trying to enjoy myself
0: how have you achieved that is that something that's grown over time and experience and training or is it something that was always there
1: um I think it's grown in time to some extent but I also like when I was younger um and I didn't I Probably didn't think about things as much as I do now, as you don't when you're younger. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah,
0: that's but, the beauty of being younger, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um,
1: but at the same time, I remember my first game for England. I don't remember having any nerves at all. you know what I mean? I was super confident, really excited to play, didn't expect to be there, so I was just like, Get me on that pitch and let's go, kind of thing. So, um, I think I, just, I have that kind of mentality anyway, and the more. I've kind of grown and started thinking about it the more I realise that that's the mentality I actually like to have.
0: And in terms of injuries, is that the same thing you apply? How do you deal with... You've had some tough moments with injuries. How do you deal mm. with being on this, having long spells on the sidelines?
1: I suppose it's, just, it's going to be pretty similar for, for everything, whereby I always try and look for like the silver lining, do you know what I mean? So if I get injured, it gives me a chance to work on something that I wouldn't normally be able to work on, or it gives me a chance to... to you know, do things I wouldn't normally be able to do. So I, d- I don't try, well, I don't, not even try, I, do, I just don't dwell on things that have happened that are out of my control, do you know what I mean? Mm. I just, all I want to do, I get one life and I'm, I'm going to do my best to enjoy it the best I can. And obviously you're going to have some hard times and you're going to have some ups and downs, but you just got to keep working out and work through any situation that you put in and, and find the best outcome out of that situation.
0: What have you learned about yourself then? Into and, and it's so nice to hear that. I, I personally, I'm trying to improve how I get frustrated because I think I get yeah. frustrated when something doesn't happen and I've put yeah. like work into it. And um, how, what have you learned about yourself the most? Do you think over that time when you have had those periods where you're enforced to to improve a part of you because you're on the sidelines, or what has been your focus?
1: Um, I focus on. When I've been injured, I've just been focusing on what can I improve while I'm injured that I didn't have before. And then and then I'm I'm generally just pretty calm, just go about my business while I'm injured. And then when I get closer to playing again, I'll start working on hitting the ground running kind of thing when I get back from, from injuries. And there's not much you can really do about it. And I think that I'll, for whatever reason, I've just got the kind of mentality where I don't stress too much about really anything. So it kind of helps... In situations where you can get frustrated and it's hard watching games when you're injured and you want to be playing but at the same time there's nothing you can do about it do you know what I mean (laughs) so I can add to the team in terms of uh in meetings or previewing and reviewing games and stuff like that and just give to the team as much as I can you know while I'm not playing
0: I was going to say that it's almost like you can maybe still have a role but just in a
1: different different
0: way and what about um, Eddie Jones like how has he rubbed off in you personally not necessarily the game in terms of his leadership skills is there anything that you specifically learned from him
1: yeah I mean he's he's an unbelievable coach and I think he and I've had it a couple of times in my career especially when I when I first started at the Saints I was I was hard working kid but I was a little like most kind of 18 year olds just don't you think you're working hard, but you don't really know what hard work is yet. Um, and I, we had a we had a coach at the time, Nick Johnson, who just drilled me into the, gro- <laughs> into the ground until I realised that, yeah, okay, this is hard work. And then I got to a, a stage of my career, where I was kind of plateaued a bit and I wasn't working my, myself as hard as I, when I look back, as hard as I should have been. And then got to a point where Eddie came in and he said, look, you're not good enough now. So you're either going to have to, Work harder, improve on um, this, this, and this, or you're not going to play again. So, um, that obviously was a kick at the backside for me, and this is exactly what I needed. So, uh, from that point on, I just got my head down and uh, and got back to work.
0: So, you're the kind of person that can react well to that, and it's like, hang on a second, you're right. And did you realize you were plateauing? Was there any particular no. reason you just didn't realize it's that's not it. the most important role of a coach?
1: Yeah, there was no. Um, Pressure, like I was, I was in, I was starting for England. Um, I had, you know, I had been since I was kind of twenty-two or, or whatnot, and and yeah, I would started all the games the previous World Cup and things like that. So um I just, I couldn't even. You can't see it, do you know what I mean? And that's why being able to take critique and um take on board what people are are saying to you, even if you don't like what they're saying, to be able to take that on board and and reflect and reflect on it is so important in rugby because you can't see if you're not doing something but somebody else can so it's very important to be able to take critique in 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 rugby and to be able to take that on board and think to yourself is this true or is it not is it something that can help me or is it not kind of thing
0: yeah and and when you heard that did it go I mean you said it gave you a kick up the ass but did you go yeah actually you're right
1: uh, yeah, obviously, I think as, as most people do, I was kind of like, well, I don't agree with that. Do you know what I mean? That, that's, <laughs> that's not true. Like, that's a load of rubbish. But the fact is, if I didn't kick on, then I wouldn't have got picked. So I didn't have a choice. And it may be more determined because I was like, all right, if I'm, you know, if I'm not good enough now or whatnot, then I will be.
0: <laughs> and would you amount hard work as a big part of where you are now?
1: Yes, very much. I think my biggest strength is actually my ability to learn quickly so to take instruction and put it into action straight away rather than having to go about it three or four or five times i can just i can take instruction and i'll implement it straight away it's been the reason i've been able to play for england from such a young age i think
0: yeah it's your skill to learn and does emotional well-being or mental health play a part in how you see your life? Is it a big factor? Would you say in terms of looking after it?
1: Um, no, no, and I and I know obviously some people really struggle with it, but for whatever reason, and it's probably due to probably my upbringing and stuff. Like um, been through some, you know, I, I grew up in the south end the Northampton, and uh, been through through some pretty pretty rough. Uh, pretty rough times when I was younger and stuff like that so and then on top of that my dad's and my mum my and dad are, are both like my mum's a prison officer when I was younger my dad dad was a bouncer so they were pretty 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 handy people and uh, pretty strong mentally do you know what I mean just pretty yeah. just pretty tough and you know if, I don't think I don't ever really remember being down but if, if I was ever um, getting in trouble or whatnot I just remember kind of my dad giving me a clip around the ear and saying get your acting gear kind of thing And I never had the opportunity to kind of mope around and feel sorry for myself. My dad would never let me do that. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's just not something that I've ever had a problem with.
0: Because, you know, when you go through these tough times, it can go either way, though. It can. Yeah, of
1: course. Yeah. yeah.
0: So do you think it's also kind of giving you that motivation? And like you said, it was almost like, well, if you wanted to be where you are, you had to just kind of get on with things.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can, I can, you can obviously see where, where people can, you know, it get to a point where you just give up, kind of thing, and you 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 can't take it anymore. But I I always just think, look, you you got one life, that's it, and then and then you're done, and flipping it, give it everything you got. You know what I mean? That that's all you can do.
0: And what was it like then when you were a kid? I mean, your mom was a prison officer and your dad's a bouncer as well. I can imagine, yeah. like, you know, what was it like for you? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's good. It's a fun time. Like, I, I used to uh, just be like any kid just growing up in, you know, lower working class or whatnot. Uh, I'd, go, I'd go to school. I was, you know, average at school. I, I loved, loved playing football and enjoyed the company, I had loads of friends and everything like that. And then, you know, you get in your scraps and you, <laughs> stuff like that. And I used to love, because I, I used to do kickboxing when I was younger. So that got me in a flipping load of trouble now and again. So Why? Um, but I, I don't know. It's just Northampton, like everybody was kind of, you know, who, who's the artist? You know what I mean? Yeah. You, like, you know what I mean? When you're younger, it's uh, stupid. Exactly. It's stupid, really. <laughs> but uh, but I, I I loved it, and I had a good good few scraps. Got beaten up a couple of times, but that's that's all good. But you know, you learn from it. You learn what you can and can't get away with, kind of thing. So yeah, it was it was good. Um, I wish I'd have studied a bit harder, to be honest, at school. And I certainly would if I could go back, if you go back in time kind of thing. But um, yeah, I was just like every other kid probably.
0: You know, you mentioned being brought up in a lower working class environment and a low yeah. income family. Um, I was brought up in that kind of area too. And I think something I look back at now, which I think was difficult was being, having the belief installed on you all the time that, that, you know, you were different from the people that make it is in, I mean, that's what the mentality was where I was brought up from, um, was that, you know, it wasn't really meant for kids like us, but now you're (laughs) in the position you're in. Um, You know, like I said at the beginning, coming up to 100 Test matches uh, for England, did you ever have that mentality upon you or was it a determination to change that? And did it play a big role, I suppose, in your life?
1: No, not at all. So I think that's probably where I'm... I can credit my mum and dad the most because they never made me feel at all like an outsider. They never made me feel like I couldn't do or achieve anything. Anything that I wanted to do, whether it was rugby, I was obviously into loads of sports when I was younger, but anything I picked up, they'd be like, yeah, go for it. You can do it. Do whatever you you put your mind to kind of thing. You just got to work hard enough. And that's, I can't give them enough credit for that. And the fact that they didn't put a limit on me. So I was just... Yeah, I can do that. That's fine. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what colour you are, what you're doing, this and that. Put your mind to it. Work as hard as you can and see where you can get.
0: What's your thoughts on the Black Lives Matter then at the moment? Because you said, you know, you can get to wherever you want to, no matter where you're from, no matter your colour, no matter your socioeconomic background.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't like that it's very like doom and gloom at the minute and people are putting the emphasis on you can't do things. You know what I mean? But we live in the most diverse and the freest societies on the planet. And I'll, I'll just say this, there, there's no matter what you do in life, if you make good decisions and you work hard and you take responsibility for yourself, then you're going to end up in a better position than if you didn't. So yeah. that's what I would push rather than kind of, attack, well, it seems like attacking and it seems like, a kind of blame game at the minute i'm not about that i'm about self-empowerment or empowering the people around you not telling them they can't do something tell them they can do it show them that they can do it
0: yeah or saying to them that young children that they're going to be discriminated against
1: yeah that that's one of my yeah if you tell your kid that you know hard, their life's going to be harder because of the color of their skin then it is isn't it it's a self-fulfilling prophecy you know what i mean so um yeah that's that's not why i'm about it's certainly nothing i would be telling my kids and obviously first hand with how I grew up my, my dad being Jamaican and telling me you know I was English so I was brought up as an English kid so wherever I went I had something in common with people do you know what I mean so um, and it means that you don't have any limits on you, you don't have any fear you're not an outsider so yeah.
0: What work are you doing with the Centre for Social Justice because I saw that on your social media and I ask also because um, I'm, in, I'm speaking to them about something so I wondered really? what yeah, what you were doing because I know that it says about you making a real change and real impact.
1: Yeah exactly so it's pretty much like what I'm talking about now we're just kind of getting to the how I want to change mindsets you know what I mean I'm conservative so socially conservative I believe in kind of evolution rather than a revolution I believe in you know change takes time and you've got to take your person your personal responsibility and in yourself and the people around you you know for the collective good of your community and your country kind of thing so i i want to help change the mindset in in getting away from this i can't do this because of my color to it doesn't matter my color i can do whatever i want kind of thing um, so i'm working with the center for social justice on mainly things around family and the importance of family and having You know, good, strong role models, especially a father figure around. Um, And I know it's a really sensitive subject because things happen in life, obviously. But I think you can't get away from the fact that we know what is the best scenario for children to grow up in. And it's not always going to be perfect, but we can at least aim for what's best for the children. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So I'm working with stuff around a strong and stable family and the importance of it and then also i work working with them in terms of what we can do for the black community um, in terms of what we can ask from the government and then what we can try and influence the community to have that change in mindset.
0: I completely agree with you on the family stuff and um, it's definitely something that's affected my life because I didn't have that that family and union and I've definitely looked back at how it's changed my behaviour or some of the decisions I've made. And I've definitely had to go away and work on that um, because it wasn't necessarily a, a positive. Um, yeah. What would you, how important to you is, I mean, family's clearly important, but how important is your family to you? And what do you say to your kids on that stance?
1: Yeah, well, just before going to my kids, I mean, I witnessed it first time. My dad's uh, first-generation Jamaican, moved over here when he was 12 and they're like, and like a lot of Jamaicans, he's got kids with multiple women. Do you know what I mean? So my dad's not perfect and he didn't get it right the first time. He's still with my mum. And me and my little brother, uh, the youngest of his six kids. So my older brother has been involved in gangs, violence, uh, been to prison because my dad was still there, but he wasn't brought up in a stable home. You know, he was brought up in a broken family. So I can see The difference between me and my brother, my brother's sorted himself out now, and he's doing really good, which is obviously fantastic. But he's 42, so I can see how his life might have been different if he had the same things that I have, and the the privilege. You know, everyone's talking about privilege nowadays. The biggest privilege you can have is two good parents in a house. You know what I mean? So that
0: love, yeah, and that that love, yeah, and that love and acceptance, and worth,
1: stability, strength, and then also the Compliments that men and fathers and mothers have together. Do you know what I mean? And you know, you, you get the whole variety of emotions and your father, I, what well, I, cause I've got three boys <laughs> um, and they're all little scrappers and they love, love <laughs> fighting and messing around and throwing, you know, they're all over it. But, um, and they're all angry little buggers cause they're boys, do you know what I mean? So one of my biggest roles is to teach my boys how to control their emotions. Because if, you, if you're a man and you can't control your emotions, then you're going to end up in trouble because boys have more testosterone. You know, they can get angry easier and they can do more damage when they're angry kind of thing. So you've got to be able to teach boys how to control their emotions. And that's what my dad taught me. And that's why I'm relaxed. I don't really get angry. I don't really get rattled about things. Um, obviously, you can get emotional from time from to time, and that's fine. But being able to control your emotions is incredibly important, especially for young boys
0: when I went to I saw a psychologist for a couple of years and it was one of the thing the main things they focused on was about how to regulate your emotions but if you're brought up in a like you said a, a broken family or an unstable environment, you don't learn because you don't yeah. learn off those healthy behaviors almost yeah Do, would you i mean i wasn't going to kind of ask you this, but would you? say it's how important it is to maybe teach that because that's something that we don't get taught at, at all I mean you're teaching it within your family but it's not like your boys will go to school and get taught about what a healthy emotion is or what a healthy behavior is or girls yeah.
1: yeah definitely and this is for whatever reason this conversation we're having now has become political do you know what I mean And I don't know why that is and it shouldn't be because it's so important and you talk you look at Things like, um, they talk about toxic man- masculinity now, didn't they? Yeah. And things like that. And they they say part of toxic masculinity is telling your, you know, little boys love to scrap, didn't they? And they love to have little play fights and beat each other up, basically. And they're talking about how that's, this is a example of toxic masculinity and this is what's going wrong with society kind of thing. But boys, little boys learn from having little scraps and little fights with each other because... They learn how far they can push it. They learn how strong they are. They learn how to say sorry. They learn how to lose and how to win. So they learn an incredible amount just from this one basic act that is now being attacked for whatever reason. Um, And that's, I don't know why people can't see that, but just that basic instinct from little children, you can see how it shapes your, how you control your emotions and how you know it builds kind of into the rest of your life but at the minute for whatever reason we're kind of attacking everything that from from what i can see is normal behavior and demonizing it it's weird it's an interesting time
0: yeah it's an, a really interesting topic i mean i feel really passionate about this as well so i could tattoo to it all day and i've got three of yeah. my brothers and i definitely you know we were kind of all like that and my brothers were absolutely like that um, and yeah. but it's I agree with you it's about only by exploring it and actually the the most positive thing definitely from a behavioral psychology point of view is being able to learn how to express it yeah. and not being confined to it yeah, yeah. Um, but and so finally um before because otherwise i'm about to go on a complete <laughs> conversation about like harmful behaviors and how important it is that we teach kids emotions yeah. um, what would you say to end? I I suppose what would your message be to anyone out there that um, maybe struggles understanding their emotions um, and, yeah, maybe struggling in that terms?
1: I'd say the most most obvious thing is the fact that if you, um, when you rely on your emotions to get through life, your emotions actually cloud your normal judgment depending on what emotions you have, do you know what I mean? If you're sad, you think something completely different than if you were angry. So you want to be centred so you know your mind, so you actually know what you're thinking at that moment in time is what you actually think. Do you know what I mean? I know it sounds, it sounds <laughs> no, weird, but if I'm angry...
0: Do you see uh, something differently than how you would see it if it was exactly. another emotion?
1: So if, I, if I'm thinking something just normally and then I think about it again when I'm angry, I might think something completely different and that's why people say stuff that they don't mean when they're angry or they express something that they wouldn't normally express when they're sad kind of thing. So it's very, it's very important to be able to control your emotions just so you can know what you think. Do you know what I mean? Just so you know your own mind.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I suppose it goes back to the teaching about how to regulate your emotions so you can understand them so you can have that balanced approach and yeah. um, thank you
1: no worries it's been wonderful talking
0: to you i've absolutely loved having this conversation with you um yeah I and mean massively appreciate it Um no
1: problem. how
0: old are your four kids then
1: um my little girl she, my only girl uh, she's six and, right, then, and then teddy then three yeah teddy's uh five and then we've got the twins who are two and a half a oh so the girl's so.
0: the oldest
1: yeah is, oh yeah.
0: that's like my family I'm the oldest girl, yep. What's she like then? Is she kinda like
1: she's she's like a real uh she's quite a girly girl to be fair. And she she does get involved, involved a little bit with the with the mucking around and whatnot, but she's usually off with mum painting her nails or something like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? so, oh. I'm in charge of keeping the boys alive. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, thanks so much uh, for sharing, Courtney. Massively, massively appreciate it. And also for, you know, your thoughts and for opening up there.
1: No problem. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed
0: listening wherever you are. Thanks for supporting Mind Charity. And don't forget that our charities such as Samaritans and Mind, you can reach out to. And however you're listening today, it would be great if you could share and rate us on our iTunes and podcast page as well. Thank you so much. And thanks for listening. And we'll speak again soon. Thanks so much, Courtney.
1: Cheers, no problem. Take care.